Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking movies, TV, comics, and more. Join in the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back to another edition of the OTPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. I'm your host, Ken M. Joining me in the studio, as always, it's the co-host. It's Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. I just got to say, the last week has been like Christmas for me. Star Wars Rise of Skywalker trailer, Mandalorian trailer. Oh, it's so good. Pad is literally in celebrating all week yes. since everything has been dropping Star Wars. It's a good thing Cosmotober is over for the season for us. Uh, we had some scheduling issues coming with our fellow cosplayers that were supposed to be coming on. Alaska is going to be joining us in 2020. She has a couple projects she was not fully complete on, so she didn't want to come in the studio and start talking about them until she had a finished product. Okay. So we had to wait on that. But if you've been enjoying the cosplaying episodes, and the downloads have been speaking for themselves, the Crisis cosplay, Just Incredible cosplay, Binghamton Webhead, and Badman cosplay, all those episodes are downloading extremely well. So thank you for all the listens and all the shares. And if you haven't checked them out and you want to learn about Cosplay 101, no better episodes than here where we had the best of the best cosplayers in the 607 studio. Mm-hmm. If they weren't here, uh, better luck next year. That's all I can really say. Nothing personal, but we had the best of the best. And if they didn't come through the studio, like I say, hopefully they can make the class next year. You know the episode's details on the Mike Blakesley episode on Badman Cosplay. He did update what was going to be the criteria for next year, so if you're interested in that, Hit him up and go from there. But we have to jump back into normal ODPH business, and we have to talk some movies. We have to talk some TV. We have to talk some comics. Yes. So join in the conversation on their social media accounts. You can find them on OchoDuroParlayHour.com, and always use the hashtag ODPH to join in the conversation. Pad wants to talk some Star Wars, yes. so why don't you kick us off? Well, as we all know, uh, the final episode in the Skywalker Saga is coming very, very soon. Uh, just under two months as we record here. It comes out, of course, December 20th, 2019. That is Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. Yes, it's the final film. You know, the Resistance trying to find a way back from where we left them in The Last Jedi, where they were on a, uh, the planet Crate with all the salt and fighting off the First Order and you know, putting out a call for help in, well, nobody answered. So, you know, you got the resistance versus the first order, you know, raise further training and what's going on with Kylo Ren, you know, the, the death of the Supreme leader, like what, what are we going to go from here? And of course you got JJ Abrams returning to helm the film. And of course the, you therein have the return of the JJ Abrams mystery box. And for those of you who don't know what that is, JJ is very secretive about when he films movies, right? No matter what it is. I mean, even thinking back to uh, star Trek into darkness, it's not con. No, I'm not doing con JK. It's con. Even the one that sticks out more in my mind to me is when uh, he was filming the initial Cloverfield movie. Mm-hmm. And of course he's about a very popular director for, number of years when he was filming that movie in new york city uh he wanted to keep the title of the film very secretive so he would have dummy names on it which most films do these days uh anytime it got posted to the internet he would then change the the fake name of the movie just to throw people off the set so he's very secretive person so getting anything star wars when he's directing is a very good thing but we got the next and possibly final trail i'm not quite sure but there might be an international one coming within the next couple weeks 
uh, for the rise of Skywalker. It dropped during halftime of the Monday Night Football game last week, and tickets went on sale uh, shortly before. So why don't we break that one down? Yes, we're going to be talking about the Rise of Skywalker trailer, the final one. So if you haven't seen it, we are talking spoilers. We're giving you fair warning because I cannot contain Pad from talking about this. So in three, two, one, Pad, why don't you kick us off? Oh man, it's a great trailer. You know, I wasn't really quite sure what to expect because, we, as I said with JJ, you don't really get all that much. It, you know, it opens up obviously with a training, uh, kind of a training montage, a la maybe what you saw with Luke back in Empire Strikes mm-hmm. Back. Ray's running through a forest planet. You know, it might be Endor. Who knows? Hard to say. And uh, you have a helmet drop, and she's deflecting blaster bolts from what looks like a training droid, like you saw in the original movie. She goes to make a jump, and then it hard cuts to like this. It almost reminds me of the first movie when she first came on screen, right? Where she's salvaging parts from that down star destroyer and all that, and and she going through a training montage, and then it cuts to uh, Finn looking through a pair of binoculars and not looking too happy. He, he, he's looking a little distressed, and then he cuts back to Ray running through, and then you we kind of get our first interesting look at okay, things might be a little bit better because as I said, we left him the resistance in the in the last Jedi where. It was a very small ragtag group of folks who put out a call and not a lot of people answered. Mm. Well, we cut to a hangar scene where there's a lot of people, arguably more than were probably there in the end of the last movie. And it all looks like they're surrounding, you know, it almost reminds me of uh, Empire Strikes Back when uh, Carrie Fisher, Princess Leia, is giving that speech about, hey, here's what we got to do. Good luck. Yeah. But they're all surrounding Lando. And you can tell it's Lando because he's wearing that familiar garb you saw uh, Donald Glover wear in the solo movie. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the yellow shirt and the, and the vest. And then you cut to a scene where you have uh, Rose looking at something while everyone is running in the opposite direction. And we actually, in, uh, in the background behind her, you have Billy Lord, uh, Carrie Fisher's daughter. Mm-hmm. And then also we get our first look at Dominic Moynihan, of course, who was in the Lord of the Rings films. Yeah, long rumored to be a part mm-hmm. of this. So we finally see him on screen. Not really sure what his role is. No. But we do see his appearance, though. Yeah, see his appearance. Obviously, he's some part in the resistance who knows what it is but you can tell definitely tell something's going on here or somebody is making an entrance because you literally have everyone in the base running in the opposite direction and then you're kind of your main characters not mm. so it's all right something's going on here somebody's running and then you cut to scene where you've got uh poe finn chewy turning around and looking at something like, uh, more running around like something's going on and then you cut to a starship flying overhead and clearly someone's showing up and they're like uh-oh this ain't good Right, it's finally building up to where you're not mm-hmm. sure if it's going to be the final battle, but one right. of them. Right, yeah, because you got a feeling, you know, the, as much as they're building this up, the, the end of the Skywalker saga, there's, there's going to be a crazy amount of battles. Yeah, then we get to my favorite part of the trailer, mm-hmm. where we see the walking on the battleship, Rey yeah. is waiting, and out of comes from the mist is Kylo mm-hmm. with, with the lightsaber intact yep. and ready to go do some battling. Mm-hmm. And, so, and we found out what that planet name is, because that's the planet, it's the same water that we saw in the very first trailer where the the one portion of the death star was sitting in and for a lot of a lot of time people just kind of figured oh it's endor yeah that's because, what i was thinking was yeah but uh turns out it's not in a in a announcement that was made about an upcoming update to the star tours ride which if you haven't ridden star tours in a ride it, the star tours ride in a while it's changed a little bit from when it first came in right they've changed it from what it was to now it's kind of it's randomized it's you know you you won't ever get the same ride twice where you go to like three different planets and they can be from the prequels sequels or the original trilogy and obviously with episode nine coming out they're going to be adding stuff into it well one of the things they're going to be adding into it is the planet that's got the death star pieces on it and it's called kef beer if i'm not mistaken or kef seer so definitely something to check out with that 
then we cut to the shot, which has got a lot of people speculating. And I would say maybe the coolest shot of the entire trailer where you've got the, the TIE fighters fl- flying into. At first, I thought this was water. Like, I thought it was on a planet where it's, like, really crystal clear water that, you know, you can see the reflection of the sky in perfectly. And then I look closer. I'm like, oh, no, those are stars underneath it. It's like a floating island glacier thing that nobody's really quite sure what it is. But I've seen speculation online say that it's Cloud City, which would be cool. That would be very interesting to see. That be. Yeah. So you got a bunch of TIE fighters flying in and then you get to probably the next coolest shot which is the uh, throne-looking scene, which if you're not quite sure who uh, what this is, let me tell you, it's Palpatine's throne. Yeah, which Palpatine was rumored uh, to be coming back to, mm-hmm. the, to the Star Wars tra- uh, saga because obviously in the last trailer we thought we heard his voice. Right, yeah, he laughed at the end, and, and it, you know, it was kind of what... I kind of wondered for a long while if Palpatine would come back because way back before... They announced they were making new movies. You know, the stories came out at one of the celebrations that George Lucas had a meeting with Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, and Ian McDiarmid, you know, the the Emperor. And I'm like, all right, two-thirds of those are alive in the franchise. Why are you talking to the Emperor? Obviously, we know now. But the reason I say this is the Emperor's throne is because, well... Nothing in Star Wars is ever thrown away. If they come up with an idea, odds are you'll see it down the road. I'll get to another example when we talk the Mandalorian trailer, but this one in some old concept art that was done for Return of the Jedi, uh, the throne you see here uh, is one that was drawn in concept to be the Emperor's throne for Return of the Jedi. Obviously, they didn't use it, but hey, like I said, in Star Wars, nothing's thrown away. You'll see it down the line. Obviously, because when the story is now ending for the Skywalker saga, that we think, anyway, mm-hmm. they want to tie up every single loose end and sure. every little Easter egg they can give to the fan base. Sure. They're trying to, which I applaud. I mean, JJ's really taking a really focused look at what he can do to end the saga. Because mm-hmm. obviously with Last Jedi... Very polarizing amongst yeah. uh, Star Wars fans. Yeah. And you can't say otherwise. No. You either loved it or you hated it. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this many times on the show. Yeah. So obviously going in with this, to see these little Easter eggs yeah. in there is really heightening the expectation level. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what you want to see from this. So Right. And then uh, you get to another cool shot. I would argue kind of the evil Avengers shot, if you will. Uh, you think back to Avengers 1 where you had the helicarrier rising out of the water. Oh, look at how cool it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is kind of the evil version. It's a Star Destroyer rising out of, I presume, the ground because it doesn't look exactly real waterous. Yeah. So that looks cool. And then you got, this is going to be arguably the coolest space battle scene in any movie they do thus far. You cut to a scene where there's a lot of ships, a lot of starships, uh, and then the Falcon comes flying in, and I love the little Easter egg reference. Uh, If you've seen Star Wars Rebels, you know the ship. The ghost from Star Wars Rebels is seen in the background, so I love that little nod. Like, oh, hey, there it is. I was going to say, how bad were you marking out this? Oh, I I was real excited to see that, and I I love the stuff I've been seeing online of people trying to break down, like, what ship is what in this, and, like, just kind of the makeup. Between this shot and then the last trailer where the, there was the row on row on row of Star Destroyers, that space battle is going to be insane. Right. And, and then you finally get a shot of, you know, kind of the core crew, you know, kind of like the, the original trilogy where you had Han, Luke, Leia, and Chewie all in the cockpit. We finally, you know, because that's the thing. Up until I want to say, what was it, the last, end of The Last Jedi, they'd never all been in the same room together. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's wild to think of, but... Finn's been with Poe and hanging out with Poe and palled around with Poe. Ray's kind of been off doing her own thing. They've never been in a room together until the final shot of the Last Jedi, where they're all on the Star Destroyer, the Falcon, and and Poe goes, "Oh, hey, I'm Poe," and I'm or Ray goes, "Hey, I'm Ray," and 
Paul goes, yeah, I've, I've heard of you. Yeah, it's a unique way they took the trilogy. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you see, you think about when, okay, Luke and Leah and Han meet. Yeah. And how they're more or less inseparable from, yeah. them, from that moment from yeah. the first. To see how they space it out with the new trinity of mm-hmm. this trilogy yeah. is really interesting to see how they played it. And just how they're going to lead into the final film mm-hmm. has got to be... A real interesting take, I would yeah. say. No, I, th- I think we'll, we'll other than Ray, because from what we can tell with the trailer, she's up more, off doing more training things. I think we're definitely going to see more of them together yeah, than would, in the past. It would make sense, because I think now the fan base is wanting to see them together, mm-hmm. since they now finally come together. Yeah. So it would make a lot of sense. Yeah, after that, we get a shot of uh, Kylo and Ray fighting on the on the wreckage of something or whatever that thing is. I know, is. it's the most badass thing about it's in, this. It's insane. They're fighting in the rain in the middle of the, in the middle of the ocean or something like that. You get a next, uh, then you get an explosion, you know, a ship or something kind of going across the water and dropping as they head towards the wreckage of the Death Star. And then you get to arguably probably the saddest moment of the entire trailer that I don't think anyone was expecting. No, nobody was expecting it, but it makes sense because we have to realize that this is the end for a lot of our characters that mm-hmm. we've now grown up with in this saga. I yeah. Mean, I, I want to say this. For the, be- for the better part of 40 years. Yeah, if you think about it. And that's when C-3PO is standing there and they're go- and he gets asked, oh, what's going on? And, and he goes, I'm just having one last look at my friends. Ugh. And that hits right in the feels. Uh, rip my heart out, why don't you? Absolutely. But it was a moment to tie in that this is the end. Mm-hmm. And no matter how everybody wants to see this, go on yeah the saga of skywalker is done yeah i mean they, they might roll out a different version and sure it, whatever they want to do with this moving sure. forward but sure for the characters we've grown up with like han and, yeah and luke and leah yeah this is going to be something that is done and it's mm-hmm. finished and where they go from here obviously it's going to be a whole new direction for the franchise right but to hear him say that i mean it ties in uh. it just it just ties into the whole aspect of this is going to be the official end. And mm-hmm. when we see this, because at one point, too, you see it flashed on the trailer. They say the saga will end, but the story lives forever. Mm-hmm. And I think that sums up this trailer. Perfectly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, perfectly. And then it, the music kicks in full. You get the theme song, but kind of movie trailer up, full tr- uh, full brass playing, really cool. You know, they're chewy, Finn and Poe are running through a corridor of some sort, fighting off stormtroopers. Ray's hugging Leia and just in bright sunlight showing just really emotional scene. Then you get uh, the Mad Max version of Star Wars where you've got Finn and Poe uh, and 3PO and R2 and all them going through the desert and something shoot like a canister or something shoots off in the air and explodes and Finn does his trademark, you know, woo. Yeah, it's a really interesting take because, like you say, to talk about Mad Max like that, I mean, that's kind of the vibe I had from it, too. Yeah. Because you really don't know what's going on. It seems like another race, mm-hmm. and obviously something's going on. Yeah. To see that really, you know, be a side story because you really have no idea what's going on with it, which no. is a great thing about the trailer. No, which is really cool. And then we cut to Lando and Chewie flying more space battles. And then, arguably, you know what? i got to change my opinion. This is the coolest shot of the entire trailer. At first, it doesn't make sense because you see a group of resistance fighters, including uh, Finn and, and BB-8, riding on horses yeah. in, in the middle of a battle. You're like, oh, my God, you know, space horses. It's going to be awesome. And so but then they kind of leave you with that tease. And then you get another cool shot where you've got I would presume this is after their battle on the uh, on the barge or whatever on it is. Wreckage. Or maybe this is before that, you know, but you've got Ray lightsaber ignited standing across from. Uh, Kylo Ren in the throne room from the Death Star in Return of the Jedi. 
Yeah, they're tying everything together. No, it was a great shot. Mm-hmm, which I got to bring up one point that I saw and I kind of tend to agree with. Thermonuclear explosion with the Death Star, and yet the throne room is still somehow intact. Movies. Reasons. Yeah. That's the easiest way to describe Reasons. it. Reasons. Uh, and then you get another cool kind of like montage shot, uh, Finn running and yelling Ray. Uh, another shot, which has got a lot of fans talking, where you've got Ray and Kylo Ren destroying uh, Vader's helmet. I'm thinking this is another vision just because his helmet in this is put back together perfectly. But every piece of like product or merchandise I've seen for Kylo Ren with the helmet on, it's got like the red weld marks on it that it's. And remember the last movie, he smashed the darn thing to pieces. Right. There's a lot of red herrings with this. Obviously Uh from the original trailer, when you saw Leo with, or not Leo, I'm sorry, Ray with the double lightsaber. Yeah, the evil Ray. The evil one. Yeah. Yeah. There's got to be some visions, and I'm sure it's Mm -hmm. Palpatine's influence trying to convert Ray to the dark side. Yeah, it's entirely possible. So who knows what Kylo Ren's true Mm -hmm. intentions are going to be in this, which I think is another great factor of the trailer. And then we get to the second half of the coolest shot in the entire trailer where we finally realize, oh, they're not just riding. The the horse shot with the, the resistance fighters riding on horseback isn't just them riding into battle someplace. They're on the side of a freaking Star Destroyer Yeah, riding through that. Which is insane, and then you get to the final shot of the trailer with uh, uh, Palpatine in kind of the, it looks like the chair he uh, sat in for the bulk of Return of the Jedi just maybe bigger or floating or something, mm-hmm. and it's approaching Ray as she's backing up kind of slowly, and you just hear him cackle. Yeah, I mean, perfect way to end it. Mm-hmm. And then you get, you know, the Force will be with you from Luke, and then Leia saying, always. Right, so obviously the tie-in, to bringing everything back tenfold. Mm-hmm. It was a great trailer. Yeah. And it didn't give a lot away. No. It just raised more expectation. A lot right. More, a lot more questions I had oh, yeah. going into it, because I'm yeah. not as big of a Star Wars fan as you are, Pad. Right. But this one definitely is really having me guess a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like about this. Oh, because yeah. with Ray and Kylo, you really don't know what the true sense of the story is going to be. Right. Because for me, The Force Awakens was a lot like Star Wars 1. Sure. The original, well, A New Hope. Let me get, right. let me yeah. get technically yeah. about this. Last Jedi, I did like. Yeah. I thought it was okay. I know it was a different take, but I was okay with it. Right. A couple, couple different parts I could have done without. Sure. But, but overall, I, sure. I really enjoyed it. Sure. This one, though, to see how everything is going to end, J.J. is really making a point with this film to sum it up and make it serve the fans. That every fan that goes to see this, mm-hmm. no matter how big your fandom is of Star Wars, right. you're going to walk out of the theater happy mm-hmm. in some aspect because they're tying in so much. The only thing I have to complain is I haven't seen anything about Boba Fett yet. Uh, that might be coming, though. Oh, I hope so. I just want to hear that he got out and he's been running around crazy all this time. That might be coming. Who knows? Yes. But overall, though, the trailer did its job. It looked the role it needed to do. Obviously, the fan base was waiting on it because the ticket struggled to go that opening day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so tickets went on sale much like they did with the previous two numbered Star Wars films, uh, Episode 7 and Episode 8. You know, this final trailer, tickets went on sale. We didn't have as many issues as we've had in the past, but I know that uh, some sites were crashing. Fandango, from what I read, managed to hold up, but I did read at one point uh, the AMC movie theater website did crash. Mm-hmm. So fans, you know crashing websites yet again and they were it was generating faster than avengers endgame right yeah for adam tickets uh pre-sales offer like adam tickets were outselling avengers endgame which is a very telling statement Mm -hmm. Uh, at least i think so yeah because with avengers endgame i mean the mcu has been dominating yeah the film game and no matter what side you take of the martin scorsese argument sure which that's a whole other ball of wax yeah 
for Star Wars to be tracking faster and selling quicker, I think is a very strong statement in that in itself. Yeah. That this has got more of the pop culture audience focused on this film. Mm-hmm. That I, as weird as that is to sound, because Avengers Endgame was such a frenzy yeah. that week. Yeah. And obviously, being a three-hour movie, this one is going to be, what, two and a half hours at least? It's two, the longest one. It's the longest one yet. I want to say it's two hours and 35 minutes. Right. To meet the expectations of the fan base, there's a lot riding on this. Yeah. That if this goes the way of, let's say, the Dexter season finale. Hey. Is going to be an ugly place on social media. But from what we've seen thus far, I don't think there's a chance they can screw this up. I don't think so. I'd hope it, it looks incredible. Like I saw somebody online throughout the idea because there's that big space battle that we're presuming happens of having an Avengers Endgame portal scene like moment where you have all those heroes come out and it's incredibly epic scene. Somebody brought up having something like that for Star Wars where you have Lando on the Falcon going, you know, whatever color leader reporting in. And then they just go down a line of like, you know, characters and, and stuff from throughout Star Wars, you know, Wedge Antilles and just go down, you know, Harris and Dula and, and just go down the line. And it might not be something that everyone gets, but just do it for the fans. Like, we know you've been fans for 40 years and you've been watching a lot of stuff. Here's a fan service moment for you. Right. And that's what they need to do. I mean, that's why Avengers Endgame was so successful. Mm-hmm. They tied in so much to the fan base. They listened to the fans. Yeah. I think JJ has really been listening to the fan base and hearing both sides of the argument about sure. The Last Jedi, which, like I say, it's a very polarizing topic amongst Star Wars fans. It And it, and it warrants that argument, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I can definitely see both sides of the argument. Yeah. Albeit, though, any petitions to redo it or wipe it out of existence, yeah. I think, is a waste of time. Yeah. You have to respect the artist's vision and whatever they do with it. Win, lose, or draw it is what it is. But with J.J. Abrams at the helm for this one, mm-hmm. I think everybody is going to be very happy with this. Oh, yeah. No, you know, it's kind of like with Attack of the Clones. Whenever you ask Star Wars fans, rank your, you know, rank the Star Wars movies, favorite to least favorite. A lot of people are going to put Attack of the Clones at the bottom of the list, myself included. Yeah, I do, too. I, You know, it's not my favorite film, but there are some parts of it I enjoy. You know, Yoda fighting Count Dooku in the end of that film is incredible. And mm-hmm. it was something I never thought I'd see. There, no, Like I said, though. Same with Last Jedi. There are parts of it I don't enjoy, but there are also parts of it I do enjoy, and, I, and by and large, I do enjoy it. Yeah, no, I fully enjoyed Last Jedi. I stand by that statement, but that's my opinion. Yeah. If somebody else comes in and says, no, I hate it, and this is why, all right, I get your point. Yeah. I don't need to debate my opinion. You're not going to change mine. I shouldn't change yours. Right. You should go in this and be a happy film goer. Yes. That's <laughs> win, lose, or draw. You're giving them the money. You should be entertained by the art. Mm-hmm. Enough said. Yes. But for this trailer, though, can't wait to see this movie come out in December. I'm sold on this. Oh. Uh. Cannot wait. Yeah, absolutely. Hit us up on that social media, though. Hashtag ODPH. Join in the conversation. What was your thoughts on the last Rise of Skywalker trailer? Did you love it? Did you hate it? Was your tickets already purchased in advance, or now are you fully like, I need to go get tickets after seeing this, or no, I'm going to pass and do something else that night? I want to know. Pad wants to know. Hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. It is the one thing that unites all living things and divides them at the same time. It is both freeing and paralyzing. It is the end of pain and the beginning of pain. In Coffin Cast, I seek to shine a light in the darkest of all places that we all will face. Death. A mix of true crime, strange and bizarre death stories with a hint of education, and sometimes humor mixed in. Hosted by me, Kristen, with new episodes every Monday at 8am Central. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Hey, this is Vince, the Common Man CTOI local MMA fighter, telling you to keep on listening to the ODPH, the 607's up and coming newest podcast. Coming back for the second segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, keeping on with the Star Wars talk. Yes. There's been so much Star Wars going on, especially after we start recording, too. Mm -hmm. That's why we kind of pushed the episode back to Tuesday. We were going to do it Monday, but then sure enough, what happens Monday? Something always drops, Mm -hmm. and then here we are. See, that's the thing with Star Wars, though, is like, it's not like Marvel movies where you get a leak or you get a this or a that. Star Wars, it's like radio silent for seven months. And then, oh, hey, surprise, here's a trailer. Oh, surprise, here's a cover on Empire Magazine. Oh, surprise, here's an interview. And it's all at once. Well, obviously, what's going on now is the Mandalorian trailer came out. Mm-hmm. The highly anticipated show coming to Disney Plus November 12th. The day it drops. The day it drops. So, obviously, the pressure is on. John Favreau is involved with this. Yep. You know him from Iron Man. You know him from many, many other projects. Mm-hmm. So, this is a very star-studded cast. This is now set after Return of the Jedi, correct? Yes. And this is going to be telling some interesting stories that are not connected with the Skywalker Mm -hmm. franchise. But I am guessing that this might have something to tie in with my man Boba Fett. It's entirely possible. I'm holding out breath for that because I don't buy that nonsense that happened in Return of the Jedi at me, OD Parlay Hour. But this is now going to be very interesting to see where the story now goes because you have nothing tying you to the Skywalker franchise. Mm-hmm. You can go carve your own story. Yep. Pedro Pascal is going to be playing said Mandalorian bounty hunter. Which that's all we know the name as, The Mandalorian. Exactly. Uh, it does look like a descendant of Boba Fett. So I'm super excited about this. The trailer dropped this past Monday. Yep. We are going to be talking spoilers because that's what we do here on the ODPH. Pad. What did you think? Uh, you know what? I really like the trailer. I mean, I've heard a lot about this show. There's been a lot of talk about how just how good it looks and the production value, and it does look very highly produced, like a lot of money was put into this. You know, the other thing that's got me excited, we mentioned that John Favreau is, is, you know, got some writing credits. He's also involved with the show. The thing that's got me excited for this is the directing cast they've got for this. So you've got uh, Remy F- Famuya, if I pronounce it right, I apologize. Pro- wrong, I apologize. Uh, directing a couple episodes. He was a producer on uh, the, F- I think it was FX, I can't remember, series Dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's got some stuff done. Uh, so, a woman by the name of Bryce Dallas Howard? Uh, you might have heard of her. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, some other gentleman, you know, I can't I can't say I've ever heard of this guy, uh, Taika Watiti. Who? Uh, yeah, exactly. Who? Uh, Taika Watiti. Yes, of course, Taika Watiti. The Taika Watiti. The Taika Watiti uh, is directing an episode. Star Wars legend, and that's my opinion. Uh, Dave Filoni is directing a couple episodes. Directing a couple episode episodes. Wow, I cannot say that word. You're too amped up. That's yes. why. And then you've got uh, got Deborah Chow directing a couple episodes. Who, if you're not familiar with her, uh, if you go to her IMDb page, of course you have the four things that they might be most known for. Obviously, number one because it's probably the thing people are talking about most is The Mandalorian. Uh, after that, it's a, some show called Better Call Saul. Yeah. Uh, then you've got uh, some other show called American Gods. And then uh, some other show called Mr. Robot. She's all got directing credits for. Uh, yeah, she, she's pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. 
the producers of this show have really taken the time to make sure that it lives up to the standard of Star yeah. Wars. Yeah. And that and obviously watching the trailers for this. Mm-hmm. And we saw the kind of teaser one, but this is like the first one I think that really yeah. encompassed what this show is going to be about. And that was kind of the thing online was like, okay, we've seen photos and we've seen character posters and you know, there was the one trailer, but it wasn't really showing much. I mean, we're sitting here at the end of October. Disney Plus launches in two weeks, exactly two weeks as we sitting sit here recording. And and we still haven't seen much of the trailer. And lo and behold, hey, Monday Night Football happens, and time for a Star Wars trailer. Yeah, I'm, you know it's a perfect time too because everybody is so amped up about Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. The Star Wars buzz is building. Yeah, and going into the holiday season, it's only going to get bigger. So with Disney Plus coming out, and mm-hmm. everybody knows what's coming with that. Right. That Disney is going to carve their own. I don't want to even say their niche. They're going to cover their own entire mountain and and landscape Mm -hmm. with what they're doing with Disney Plus, which is arguably going to shape the way we watch streaming services moving forward. I would say so because, yes, Netflix by and large kind of created the landscape of online streaming as we know it. You know, when they they started with the direct home DVD rental service, that was groundbreaking. Mm -hmm. And then when they came out with the streaming service, that changed everything. Mm -hmm. You know, no longer was it oh, darn, if you missed an episode of, you know, whatever show you were wanting to watch, you know, there was an episode of Smallville I missed because I was busy with other things, didn't get to watch it. Something like Netflix didn't exist at the time. You know, there was no on-demand. You know, there was no Hulu. There was no way for, like, you had to wait until the summer off-season to catch the reruns and then go, oh, hey, there's the episode I missed. Oh, cool, I finally saw it. You know, the thing with Disney Plus is, okay, Netflix kind of, change the game and and movies and tv shows and all that but i think the crazy thing disney's going to do is yeah they're going to they're going to appeal to the audience that's like very nostalgic and wants to watch all the old tv shows and movies but i think just the level of production and amount of money they're putting into their tv shows that you know especially with the marvel stuff it's borderline movie level budgets yeah it's their original programming that's Mm -hmm. selling the service because whether you're an mcu fan with everything and i'm not going to go into every detail about what's coming out that alone is enough to make people want to watch. But the fact they're doing original Star Wars programming, and obviously with how that fan base is, mm-hmm. and looking at the end of the Skywalker trilogy, as we talked about last segment, there's going to be the story continuing, but the interpretations of it have to really meet the standard that has been laid. Mm-hmm. The Mandalorian looks it. Obviously, yeah. there's an Obi-Wan Kenobi show coming out with Ewan McGregor. Which that darn son of a you-know-what went on the Ellen show yesterday and did an interview where he knew four years ago he was doing an interview. Ellen wasn't interviewing him. I forget. There was somebody else filling in for her. She wasn't there that day. Uh, it was a gentleman filling in, and I feel bad for not remembering who it is because it's a very well-known person. But they brought this up, and, and they were like, you know, oh, yeah, the, the fans have really wanted this for years. He goes, oh, yeah, no, I knew four years ago that we were in talks about doing it, but because we were in talks, I couldn't say anything about it. Right. So anytime I got it got brought up to me in a press junket or anything, I had to sit there and go, oh, I'd love to do it, but I don't know anything about what's going on. Darn son of a you-know-what. But you know what? That all ties into what the magic is about this. Mm-hmm. If we all knew spoilers, it'd be ruined. That's true. So obviously going into The Mandalorian, we haven't heard that much. We've heard about casting. We've seen right. some teaser photos. Right. We haven't really seen a full trailer as the one that we've seen mm-hmm. to really kind of drop the excitement. Right. So now we enter into Monday. They just drop it out of nowhere. Right. Like not even a halftime of the football game. I think it was just like... Going into a commercial break or something like that. Yeah, it was just completely random when they decided to drop it. But Monday night, all of a sudden, just social media blew up. And I had no idea this thing was coming. And I'm the Star Wars guy. Like, I was watching the game on my phone, 
Because let's be honest, if you're a sports fan, the Miami Dolphins were beating the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I couldn't believe it. So I'm sitting there, and they're go, and I tune in right as the trailer drops, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is the Mandalorian. Right. So as we were going to be talking some spoilers about this, it lived up to the hype. Yeah, oh, easily. I am fully sold on the uh-huh. show. Not that I wasn't before, but when your opening shot is Stormtrooper heads mm-hmm. a la Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. All right. You have my attention and they're, now. They're, they're Empire Stormtrooper helmets. It's not First Order, so let's get that out of the way. Right. Well, you are the expert about this. So yeah. You can correct me when I'm wrong here. But this is where you, you open up and you just see the Stormtrooper helmets on the ground and on spikes. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, something has happened here that we don't know about. I'll say they done pissed off someone. Exactly. And as this trailer progresses... You do see couple you, couple montage shots, you know. Presume I what I would presume is maybe stormtroopers riding. Uh, I think they're called dewbacks. I could be wrong. It, it's if you've seen the the original movie, A New Hope, uh, since the special editions, you know the the redos as people like to call them, mm-hmm. where you've got the the stormtroopers riding on some of those animals. That's what they are. It looks like that they're riding through something. Uh, you know, and then it kind of fades in. It's a really cool trailer. And then you kind of get your first kind of up close look at the Mandalorian. And again, like I said, last segment, nothing in Star Wars is ever thrown away. This look was an original concept art drawing for what Boba Fett was going to look like in mm. the Star Wars films. Yeah. Down to the blaster rifle he uses in the trailer. Again, concept art for what Boba Fett was supposed to have. Yeah. So is this supposed to be the legacy of Boba Fett? Uh, who knows? I would still be sold on this. I mean, the thing, only thing we know about this show is that it's going to be, I think it's eight episodes, and Entertainment Weekly ran an article that there's going to be some earth-shattering revelation in the first episode in, like, the first 30 minutes. What it is, they didn't say, but they're kind of teasing that. Yeah, and there is so much hype about this. that Like, I don't want them to announce what it is. Right. No, wanna, neither do I. I want to go in surprise. And obviously, where the trailer starts from this point you see a big fight scene, mm-hmm. which is living up to, okay, they've spent a ton of money on this. Oh, yeah. And you see that somebody is now trapped in carbonite. Yeah, which I, I think that's going to be a big thing with whoever that is because I feel like you wouldn't show that unless it was something fairly big. Like, like even if it's not immediate, it's like, oh, my gosh, it's, it's so-and-so. But it also shows it looks like there's four people in carbonite because it, it's all – there's a couple shapes behind it roughly of the same size and, and shape. So – you go from the fight scene where, all right, this guy's no slouch mm-hmm. to this where it's, okay, this guy's really no slouch. Like, he's got four people frozen in carbonite in his ship. Yeah, it's because the only thing we know about the Mandalorian is he's a bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. So that is literally yeah. all we know. Yeah, no, it's, it's all we know. And then as we start going through, they're doing they're showing, like, action shots mm-hmm. throughout. And you're really getting an idea, okay, whatever planet he's on, that... There is, it's like a bounty hunter hub. Right, and and it's definitely, he's the type of person that's a Boba Fett like a Cad Bane, if you've ever seen Star Wars, the Clone Wars type, where he walks into a room and commands attention. That He walks into what looks to be a cantina on some planet, and every head in the building just turns to him and is following his progress as he's walking in. Right, and obviously with the reputation that he should have on the show, mm-hmm. it's warranted. And then you see the one and only Werner Herzog. Yes. Finally get to see him. Like That was the wild thing when they started announcing casting for this, where they're like, oh, yeah, Giancarlo Esposito is going to be in the show. You know, Gina Carano is going to be in the show. And, oh, by the way, we're bringing in Werner Herzog. If you've never heard of the man or you don't know what it is, look up his acting credits. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, enough said. Yeah, no, yeah. enough said. And obviously, when he when he drops the line, Mandalorian, look outside. They're waiting for you. We see another big fight battle, mm-hmm. which lives up to the hype. And 
yeah, it's it's exciting. Like I yeah. said, I'm really intrigued with the production they've done for this. Mm-hmm. And then there's kind of like a little throwback, a little Easter egg pad yeah. you notice. Yeah, so there, after that, you get the kind of a title screenshot of where it says streaming November 12th. And then it cuts to this little girl who's holding her hand out. And then the, it cuts to a shot looking up, and it's in the middle of a battle sequence where somebody's invading someplace. And it's a blink and you miss it. But if you if you remember from Return of the – or not Return of the Jedi, Revenge of the Sith, where – they're fighting on the Wookiee planet and you've got those circular looking ships that the uh, bad guys use, the separatists use Mm -hmm. one of those ships flies overhead. So that was our one cool thing I noticed and was pointed out online and amazing that one of those things is still in operation. Considering if you look up the star Wars timeline, how long it's been since that, that war it's been a hot minute. Yeah. And then it cuts to another blink and you miss it shot where it's, it looks to be the parents of that little girl who was just in two shots ago running from things. And there's some super battle droids from the prequels in the background still operating somehow. Yeah. No idea how, but hey, it's cool to see because that's the one thing is, you know, the prequels by and large haven't outside of, you know, getting mentioned in The Last Jedi where you know Luke brought up Sidious and everything he did and, all, and Anakin and all that. the prequels really haven't been mentioned all that much in some of the prequel and there the sequel stuff so it's cool to see a little tie back yeah especially because Jar Jar is not involved this is true well we know where Jar Jar is Jar Jar's living on the streets of Naboo shamed and outcast by everyone mm-hmm. this is true yeah Go- fact google it it's 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 true uh so moving on in the trailer we get another shot of he does almost it's it's cool he goes to fight an alien race and it looks like he's got him the guy he's hunting or going after trying to get information from down and oh he's got the upper hand on him but then in old western style the guy he's hunting turns goes to fire on him but he dot it he dodges it and then almost like han solo pulls the blaster out and just quickly shoots on him han shot first han, exactly it's a really cool shot. You get some a couple more montage shots of just kind of showing things off. Desert planet might be Tatooine. Who's to say? Not really sure. Uh, you know, just some more montage shots. It, it, you finally get a look at Gina Carano, who was in this film, of course, the MMA fighter, and was also in the uh, first Fast and Furious, Fast and Furious, and in the Deadpool uh, one film. Mm-hmm. I you believe know, Carl Weathers was in there too. Yep, Carl Weathers is is in that, of course, from the Rocky movies and. Very long and countless sp- other yeah, stuff. Countless other films. Another guy. You never heard of him. Look up the acting credits. It's enough said. Yeah, just hit IMDB. Like, and, and then you get the one that I know a lot of people are saying, Oh, it's IG eighty eight, it's IG eighty eight for the bounty hunter from Empire Strikes Back where Vader's talking to all the bounty hunters and he said it's not IG eighty eight. Sorry. It's not. It's I guess from what I've read, it's a droid named IG eleven or something like that, but it's not the droid from Empire Strikes Back, so sorry. To, to break some hearts there but it's it's regardless it looks incredible because the thing is just bending its arms in all sorts of unnatural ways fighting uh we get a tease of possibly what the there might unmask the mandalorian which would be cool you know you get the kind of he's standing in front of a woman maybe a love interest maybe you know somebody he's married to or or had relationships with who's to say uh you get a sequence of gina carano fighting and holding her own and then you get a really cool shot of i don't know who this person is or what character they are but they have three blasters and they don't have three arms yeah it's really cool they they come down a corridor they look around the corner they start blasting two blasters and then a third one pops up over his shoulder how the characters are looking in this is really impressive i mean that's mm-hmm. something i'm taking away from i mean the, yeah the the special effects department and just the makeup department too it, it they're truly doing an amazing shot with it yeah and then we finally end with the mandalorian pointing a two-pronged rifle uh-huh. which is staple for mandalorians yep 
at somebody and just you hear the voice quietly go, yeah, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I said before, that blaster is one that was original concept art for Boba Fett in Empire Strikes Back. Again, nothing in Star Wars is ever thrown away. Yeah, which makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And that's how the trailer ends, which just got me more amped up. Oh, I mean, yeah. obviously, because I'm a big Boba Fett fan. Sure. I am fully sold on this. Oh, so am I. That even if this is like the legacy, it could be another clone of him. I mm-hmm. don't care. I am definitely excited from what I've seen because even if it's set as like a space western, right? I think it looks fresh enough that it doesn't look like anything we've seen in the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. That if we have a straight up bounty hunter show, right, and you kind of see the worst of the worst, so to speak, mm-hmm. and obviously the Mandalorian and what character you know, uh, Pascal is going to be playing, right. It's going to be an interesting take that we haven't really seen thrown in the Star Wars. Because usually it's been, okay, are they the Force or right. they, are they the Empire? Well, it, it's something we almost saw back before Lucas Arts, Lucasfilm Art Games, or yeah, Lucas Arts, uh, the gaming studio closed. They were working on a project called Star Wars 1313, which was to describe a level on Coruscant, the course, the, the city like planet that's featured heavily in the prequels. Uh, and it kind of like it's the seedy underbelly, like where all the dark dealings and all the bounty hunters gather. And, and there was supposed to be a video game tie in, uh, a f- book tie in, comic tie in. And it was even referenced a little bit towards the end of the Star Wars, the Clone Wars TV run. But because Lucasfilm went, went uh, closed up shop, it never happened. I, you know, so I wouldn't be surprised if maybe some elements from that might be brought into this. Because, like I said, nothing in Star Wars is ever thrown away. Mm. But, no, like you said, it's definitely an interesting look. And in an underside to uh, another side to this galaxy that we've really never seen. Because it's always been good guys versus bad guys. Dark side versus light side. But there's more going on in this galaxy. It's kind of like with Batman. You have some people in in Gotham who've never seen Batman and just live their lives. Mm-hmm. The same can be said with Star Wars. Yeah, there's Jedi. Yeah, there's Sith. There's Empire and there's Rebels and there's Resistance and First Order. But there are some people who, you know what? They're just on a planet living their life and doing what they do. Yeah, it's a unique vision that they've always had with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. That. Yeah, this is going on. It's intergalactic warfare, and it's you know the fate of the universe. What some people are never affected by is just how it is, right? Which is a wild concept to really wrap your head around. But to see this final product though with the Mandalorian and whatever direction they take it, like I said, this isn't going to be tied in with the Skywalker universe that we know of right now. This should be a fresh take and just a fresh direction, which I think is going to be a good point and perfect timing to happen too, because obviously with the end of Skywalker. You need to do something different. Sure, they've already greenlit this for season two. Mm-hmm. It's already filming season two. Yeah, which I to get that much faith from Disney already about it, and we haven't even seen more than what two minutes of the show. Arguably, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is something that if you're a producer of the show, you have to be really excited about. And with the cast involved, obviously, this is going to be a huge th- show moving forward, being the flagship for Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day. You have one chance to make a first impression. Oh, yeah. There is so much writing on this show. Mm-hmm. Not even from the Star Wars fan base, but for subscribers of Disney Plus who are going right. to look for that original content. Netflix already has the bar set. Give mm-hmm. take, whatever you think about yeah. it. And yeah. we're going to exclude the uh, MCU from that. Hulu is kind of in a transition phase a little bit. Hulu's kind of on its, its own thing. It's, it's more, yeah, they've got original shows, but they're really not known for that. It's really known for... Oh darn! I missed an episode of Chicago Med. Whatever you you know, whatever show you watch. Oh, I got to go to Hulu to catch it. 
Yeah. In our opinion, I mean, obviously, they're starting to come out with some new stuff. Oh, yeah. Too, yeah. Like the new Wu-Tang show. Oh, love that show. Yeah, that's true. I love that show. But tying this back in with Disney+, Plus, the bar is set very high. The Mandalorian looks like it's going to knock it out of the park and then some. Mm-hmm. So the Star Wars fan base should be very happy about this. If you're a Boba Fett fan like myself, you have to be super excited. Even if this isn't Boba Fett, if this is a legacy, if this is an ancestor, even this is like somebody that's just picking up the mantle that's not even connected with. This is something that's going to be a new take on a, on a familiar character but flipped on its ear. What else could you want from a new show? That's the question you have to ask. Mm-hmm. So definitely hit us up on the social media accounts. Hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts about the Mandalorian trailer? Are you excited? Are you not? Tell us why. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. On a podcast. (laughs) Sorry. On a podcast. Anyway, I'm going to start closing up the One Movie Punch secret volcano layer, and we'll meet you back at home. With a secret volcano layer. Wait, wait, uh, volcano lair, really? Uh, uh, with a secret volcano lair, one podcast host just can't seem to get a break. This October... Oh, what happened? Joseph is forced to survive by any means possible. Who keeps a parking lot full of wood chippers? In a serial audio drama of adventures. Blood. Blood everywhere. Fountains and fountains of blood. That can only be called Reign of Terror 2019. (laughs) Join us in October 2019 for 31 straight days of horror movie reviews and interviews featuring Joseph the One Movie Crunch crew, 17 podcast guest reviewers, special guests, and me, your narrator, Shane Hyde. Don't miss Reign of Terror 2019. (laughs) Wait, does this mean I miss Joker? No! Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! back for a third segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast and it's time to get caught up on the DC CW universe. Yes. Obviously a lot of stuff is going on. There's mm-hmm. been some big announcements going on. Like I say Crisis on Infinite Earths has got the fandom community guessing. Yes. And obviously Arrow and Flash have been doing a lot to step up. Mhm. Uh it's been our two shows that we really think have really been driving the point home about the crisis so we've yeah. kind of been focused on that. Haven't been really catching up on Supergirl, even though I've heard good things. Batwoman has been improving, too. Batwoman's been better. I mean, the thing with Batwoman is uh, this past episode, uh, she finally, last week's episode, this, you know, she's kind of finally come to the, and with this week's episode, is she's kind of come to the realization that, all right, 
Gotham needs help, but I can't do it as the Batman because I got to carve my own niche. I got to carve my own path. And that and that's where I think the show's really finally kind of finding its own way and flourishing. And that's what they need to do with the characters. So obviously now that we've gone away from the Batman comparison mm-hmm. and Kate Kane's going to start her own path. Right. I think that show is going to finally start picking up and find its groove. We'll say it's, it's fun though to like, we're so familiar with the Batman character and he knows what he knows and he's very, you know, knowledgeable about the life and what to do and what not to do, even though he makes mistakes sometimes. It's fun to watch, you know, Kate make some of those mistakes where with his past episode, you know, she was in, she was romantically interested in someone and wanted to really do that. But therein came with the, Oh, you're really interested in this person and you want to hang out with them, but at the same time you have your obligations and duties to the city, so you got to run out on them a lot. Right. So obviously some stuff moving forward, but it's finally starting to find their own direction, which mm-hmm. I think is good for Batwoman. Oh, because, absolutely. Because it started out a little slow, but so did sure. Arrow, as oh, we are yeah. talking about. Yeah. And this past week's episode of Arrow, as we we're going to be talking some spoilers, is continuing the path of Oliver Queen mm-hmm. going into his... This is your life, I guess. Re, re, kind of. Re, 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 doing like a Where's Waldo kind of thing. Yeah, it's kind of like a weird reenactment of his own life. Univer- Universe's greatest scavenger hunt, maybe? Yeah, it's because the Monitor is putting him through the ringer about everything that's been going on in his life. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Oliver has been trying to find his niche about, okay, where do I go from here? Right. Because he's far from home. Obviously, Diggle is with him. Right. And he's finding out the ramifications of what the Monitor has been talking about. And this is where... Oliver is really trying to get an, a grasp of a crisis where like, the Flash has a better idea. Right. Because I think he's more used to this kind of action. Well, and, and also Flash has seen some of what's going to happen. But all Oliver knows is that something is coming. He doesn't know what. He's got kind of an inkling based off of what happened with Earth 2. But, you know, he, he really is kind of like a fish out of water. Like, all right, I'm getting sent to these other universes where I got to find something. But for what end, I don't know. Right. The only thing he knows is he keeps getting sent on missions. And this one was no different. The Monitor sent him to look for a biophysicist Mm -hmm. uh, named Robert Wong. The name did not ring a bell with me for the comic. So if it is a noble character, I do apologize. But it just didn't really connect. And he's he's looking for a virus called the Alpha Omega virus, Mm -hmm. which... I originally I thought was like the anti-monitor equation. Maybe. Or the anti-life equation, which is more dark side. But I'm like... I don't think they're really going to go this route. But that is what the scavenger hunt is now. Mm-hmm. So as Oliver is going through, he runs into an old friend, Katana, mm-hmm. to help him. And basically, they go through their uh, struggles to try finding this uh, scientist. On the flip side, you have Laurel, who is now stranded because there's no home planet, and she's trying to get back to Earth 2. And can't, just can't wrap her brain around the fact that like everything she knows is gone. Right. So everything is completely thrown off, mm-hmm. and everything is just, now what do I go from here? And this is going to tie into more post-crisis is not, because now it's getting fully leaked out about the series that is coming after Arrow. Mm-hmm. That is at least getting filmed for a pilot, and then where they go from there right. is anybody's guess, and that's Green Arrow and the Canaries. Mm-hmm. And at this point, you're seeing a little more ties into where Mia Smoke is going into the future. Yep. Or Mia Queen, I guess I should say. Uh, as the daughter of Felicity and, and Oliver is in the future and, and dealing with her own story, which I'll admit this season has really not taken a hold of me. Like Let's say de- le- dealing with what she's got going on there, but also kind of living with the legacy of her parents and, and everything they did. You know, I, it was brought up at one point during the episode 
where you know they're kind of like a fish out of water or they're really things weren't working well and i think they brought it up at one point where they're like oh do you think you know she brings it up with her her brother her stepbrother you know do you think mom and dad had this many issues no absolutely and that's the question that she's now trying to find because now that she's decided to become a hero I guess in this universe with her own team, mm-hmm. it, it's been kind of an interesting story. I mean, it's tying in with a lot more of the family and the legacies. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's also kind of like a story that you're you can be kind of familiar with when it comes to comics. It's 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 the hero kind of coming to the realization. All right, I need to shoulder some responsibility and coming to terms with that. Yeah. So obviously, at this stage, that story is going on. And we find out a little more details about the monitor, which is now going to tie into season three a little bit more of mm-hmm. Arrow, which he's now going to Razagul's home turf of Nan- Nana Parabat, mm-hmm. which is never good. And no. if the monitor is there, no, I really just I don't know what, exactly what's going on there. That all of a sudden he needs to go track down information about the monitor there, other than the tie-in with Razagul and company there. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that, like you think of other franchises and. If, if a name gets dropped, like if they were to say in the Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, like, oh, we got to go to Mustafar. Uh, you know, you got me sitting there. Oh, crap. That ain't good. The same can be said for this. All right. You mentioned Nanda Parbat. All right. Nothing good is happening. No, nothing good ever happens there. But that wasn't the biggest moment of the episode. No. The episode was the reveal that the monitor is now sending up more chess pieces throughout the DC slash CW universe. Mm-hmm. But the biggest moment of this episode, though, was... Who is the Monitor's ace in the hole? Mm-hmm. Or maybe even his backup plan. Who knows? Yeah, which the Monitor is now establishing multiple chess pieces throughout the DC slash CW universe. Which is smart. You know, you don't know how this is going to go as, as much doom and gloom as he is talking about with this coming crisis. You know, it, it's like uh, lo- well, the line Ludacris has in one of the Fast and Furious movies. You know, plan B, we need plan C, D, E, F. And who is plan B thus far that we know? Lila. Yes. The head of Argus currently, or formerly, should I say, because I yeah. think she was removed is now working for the Monitor and rounds up the scientist that Oliver was originally supposed to find. I, I just get the feeling that nothing good is going to come with Lila working with the Monitor. I don't know what it is, but just something, the back of my head goes, yeah, nothing good's going to happen with us. No, and obviously this is going to be a huge move for her moving forward because with Lila now working behind the scenes, and like I said, with still the Argus ties that she has. Right. Because I, I don't think she's been removed from Argus at this point. That this is where... Her deceiving is going to come back to haunt Oliver, I think, down the road. I think it's a perfect setup, and I do love the the addition of Lila into the mix mm-hmm. because nobody's seen this coming. And with all her connections that she has, she can now keep tabs on Oliver and right. steer him off the course depending on what the monitor wants to do. So it's a very good chess game that he's yeah. setting up. And to see how this is playing out, I think is going to really emphasize about Crisis coming down the road because with Oliver now having his inner circle broken a little bit, yeah. Because obviously Diggle will stand by his side. Oh, Diggle's you know down since day one. You know they're free in the foxhole. Right. He doesn't have to worry about him. But with the circle around him, and he can't connect with Felicity. No. So you take that away from him. You take his structured blanket of network of friends. It's, it's kind of back to season one, where you know you think back to season one. Eventually Diggle came into the fold and helped him out a little bit. And yeah, he was going to Felicity and going, hey, I, you know, kind of like Bruce Wayne and in, in his early stages of like, you know, with uh, Dark Knight and Batman Begins, like, hey, nudge, nudge, I need this because reasons. Right. You know, it's kind of back to that where it's like he doesn't have his team. He doesn't have his friends. He just has Diggle and that's about it. Right. So obviously it was a very good episode, very strong where they're going in the direction. Like yeah. I said, the the chess match now, but it, it turns out to be the antagonist of the season could be Lila. 
That'd be real interesting. Is a really cool take. I love where they're going with this. It's and if that is where it ends up going, it'll be interesting to see where John falls in this because he's you know got that brotherhood friendship you know with Oliver considers him his brother, but at the same time he's got the love in in marriage with Lila. Right. So to take it to the flip side though, the Flash really I, I thought it was good. Yeah, it was all right. I wasn't exactly like wow. About this episode. A lot of people online, though, I, I did see were raving about this episode. I don't know. It's Blood work is not doing anything for me as the villain. I mean, I like seeing the actor on screen because he was amazing in Heroes. Right. And, I, and he plays a fantastic villain. Yeah, I, I will give you that. And I'm, I'm perfectly all right with that. But I really just wasn't like, I don't know, it, it's something about the character that I'm just, I'm not gravitating towards. See, the character might not be the greatest, but for me, like, just the acting style and just how well he he comes across as like just hating everything and just despising everything. And he's got that singular vision of this is what I want to do. This is where I got to get to. And nothing is going to stop me from that. And that is one, one of the times that I'm sitting there going, okay, I believe you. Yeah. This is where the character, you know, I, I guess for me, like I, I guess I've been so disappointed with the flash villains over the past couple seasons that I, I just maybe have just already kind of made my own choice on this. But mm-hmm. obviously, still a lot of ways to go. And with Crisis looming, who knows what's going to happen. Right. And at this point, we see a little more development with Killer Frost and, mm-hmm. and her character. And basically, Barry is almost saying his goodbyes to his team. Almost, yeah. He's, he's now informed them of what's going on with what's happening with Crisis. Or and, what could happen, yeah. Right. So obviously, that's a big deal to have. Yeah, go on, and obviously him trying to tie up loose ends before the inevitable crisis, right? And it, and it's and it's kind of been the it's a hard place to put him in because he's known that this crisis is coming. He's had that you know three D digital whatever hologram projection of the or, uh, the newspaper article for you know however many seasons now, and he's always been all right. I've got time to get a team, get them prepared, and get them ready for the worst, and and really. You know, game plan and, and make sure they got everything they need. And, and I've taught them everything I know, because when you're, you know, a master teaching an apprentice, you want to teach them everything, you know, so that they can build off of that and learn even more. He all of a sudden doesn't have that time. He's gone from, oh, I've got a couple of years to, oh, I've got what, like three months, two months. Mm-hmm. something like that, and now it's like, oh, crap, I got to get a lot done in no time. Right. So, I mean, the question of his mortality is now kicking in and just how he's reacting to it. And it's that, all, that's also the thing, too. He's sitting there dealing with, okay, not only is this crisis coming, but I'm sitting here, it, you know, knowing when I'm going to die. Yeah, it's it's playing a, a, a huge factor on him. And obviously with Bloodworks history, too, is you have somebody that's really trying to find a way to extend his life because he does mention that he's dying of a very rare disease. Right. Because um, he is having this weird frenemy development happening with Barry. Right. Isn't it like a rare form of cancer or something like yeah, that? It, it's, it's it's something that like his mother died from, and there, therein is his motivation that, like, okay, I watched my mother die from this disease, and she gave up at the end. She didn't want to fight it. I'm not going to do that. Right. So, obviously, as this episode kind of focuses more towards about the – uh, character that is under the influence of blood work and the dark matter yeah. manipulation that he has. Yeah. You really start seeing how blood work is starting to become the bee and just how he really thinks he can make a cure for his disease and, mm-hmm. and just what levels he's going to go to it. So it does establish him as a villain. And I get that. And like I said, maybe it's just because this villain just really is not resonating with me. I was kind of like, maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
you know, just like, all right, I, I get it, and I'm, I'm still watching. So I'm just not really in love with the direction they're going in. However, though, we did see a familiar face return, albeit in another form. Mm-hmm. And it's the one only Tom Cavanaugh yep. returning as another Harrison Wells. Mm-hmm. That is more Indiana Jones-like than we've seen. So, I mean, Kavanaugh kills it every time. Yeah. So you you can't really go wrong with him on the show and whatever direction he's doing and wherever his story is going to take off is always just going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited to see what is going on. And obviously he's in a position of a substance he's, or he's looking for rather. Um, called Uranium mm-hmm. or Eternium, Eternium. Right, is, is what's the name of it. And I had to do some research online. It's the CW's Unobtainium. Right, which somebody was mentioning, and I believe it was IGN, was saying that it was tying into the Sandman universe. Mm. That I, and I'm not really might sure. Might be reaching, but well, maybe. Yeah, it might be. Well, like I said, IGN, I was I was reading the review about that, and I it didn't click at first. And obviously with Sandman's deal with Netflix, they could still do a crossover if they wanted to, but Sandman would probably be one of the few properties kept out of uh, Crisis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I can't really see that happen. In fact, now I'm calling up the, the article now, and according to the IGN review, they're saying the simple fact that Wells seems to be carrying the dream-manipulating Ruby of Morpheus. Mm. That's an interesting take, yeah. if that is. I didn't. It didn't click with me at first, but if that is the case, I mean, sure, would it be a very cool thing to tie in the Sandman universe in? Right. Sure. I can't see it happening, though, but I would love to. I mean, just to say how far-reaching that the Crisis on Infinite Earths is going to be happening right. is going to be truly something. But for overall, the episode, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, no, it, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was good. It was all right. Like I said, it didn't really wow me as much. No, but, but it wasn't like the worst episode they've ever done. It, it was okay. No, it's just kind of the countdown of Barry, I think, mm-hmm. is, is very interesting. And where his head is at at this moment, too. Right. Because now you're kind of seeing him trying to tie up loose ends and trying to really figure out how he can outrun death. Right. And Kenny, because now he's almost like accepted the fact that's going to happen. Right. It's kind of a weird thing to see. Of one of the most optimistic characters is now falling apart and just preparing his team for what's going to happen in life without him. Mm-hmm. It was an interesting take. Like I said, the whole episode there, you know, it was what it was. Right. Didn't really wow me, but it was like, okay. But that wasn't like the biggest CW news, though, that broke, though. No. What was that, Pat? Uh, there is reports or rumblings going on that we were going to be getting a Superman spinoff series from the Supergirl sh- uh, TV show. Now, this is very interesting to hear about. Yeah. And I... I thought when I first heard this, I I don't know my initial reaction. My initial reaction when I saw the headline was, all right, who's getting killed off or what show is it replacing? Well, mine was going, okay, you're tipping your hat a little too early about Crisis. Right. Because if you're saying that you're going to do a show based off uh, Tyler Oakland's Superman and uh, Elizabeth Felix Lois. I don't know if this was necessarily CW announcing it. I think it was just a matter of it's the industry these days. It got out. You're right, but just the fact that it came out before Crisis. Because, like, it, because, well, and the thing of it is, though, is, like, I can't see CW putting something like this out, given how big and how far-reaching and how much they're putting into Crisis to go, hey, we know Crisis isn't out yet, but why don't we tell you about something that's coming out afterwards? It's like if Marvel went and announced all the movies they were going to do after Endgame before Endgame came out. Right, like I said, it was just a weird take, and to have... I don't want to say the story ruined a little bit, but if you're going to be doing a story based off 
Superman and Lois moving forward. I mean, also given the the story they're telling in Tales, I mean, if you've read the comic, you know where it's going. Right. You have you have a perfect idea where it's going. But to see that this is getting announced, I have a feeling Supergirl is getting canceled, or she is not making it out of Crisis now. Because I can't see the CW doing two shows of a Superman character on their network. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I have no issue if they decided to. Right. I just don't see them doing that. And I think it's very – a bad look, I guess, it would, would be the case is if you're already announcing this because now the question is what happens with Supergirl. Right. So are you tipping your hat that something is going to happen? Because the only ones we know, they're going through a major transition. Mm-hmm. Arrow is going to be getting – uh, transition into Green Arrow and the Canaries if that show is picked up. Right. You have the Flash, which you don't know the future of per se. Yeah, that that's the thing is, as we sit here recording, you know, we think Barry's going to die, which would kind of go, all right, what are you going to do with the Flash show in that case? But that's assuming he dies. Right. So the only characters that we really know are going to be continuing is Legends of Tomorrow is coming back mm-hmm. for the back half of Crisis. Black Lightning, as far as we know, is going to get involved with Crisis on Infinite Earths, and that's still going to go on as stat quo. Mm-hmm. Batwoman is still telling her story. That's going to keep going. So that's the only three that we can say fully are going to be back for the fall or the spring slate of 2020. Right. Everybody else now is more or less up in the air. Would they possibly end Flash and have Legends take its spot? Let Maybe. Me, let me throw that crazy Maybe. theory out. Maybe. I mean, because as it is, Legends of Tomorrow hasn't come back, and I also think Black Lightning hasn't come back yet. No, Black Lightning has come back. Oh, it has come back. Okay. Uh, I've just been missing that one. Um, no, yeah, I, I would maybe not even cancel Flash, but, like, put it on hiatus. You know, have it operate, like, because have it operate uh, uh, kind of like what uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did with Inhumans. Like, you know, have one operate kind of like in this uh, winter early spring time frame and then you have the other one go kind of like maybe summer into fall type of thing have them alternate i don't know well i think it would kind of give a fresh take on it especially with some of the seasons they drag out it really doesn't have a lot going on with it no um to that degree right i guess would would be my my take i think it would be kind of smart for them to do a situation where you want to split up and you want to create that mystery and then see, Mm -hmm. see what the fan base reaction is I think it would be definitely a cool idea. Right. I just don't know exactly how that would happen. But moving forward with it, I like I said, I think it's just a bad idea to leak out that you're developing a show with Superman before you hit Crisis. Yeah, no, it's it's not the best look, yeah, you know, for, for sure. But I can't imagine CW's happy about this getting out. Well, if, if they are, I mean, I think it just kind of tips their head where the story is going. Right. Now, would, would it be a sense that you do this as like a prequel of what happens no. in Crisis? No. no. Like, I think you'd be doing it moving forward, which I'm all excited for the character coming to the small screen. And obviously with what they've done with the Arrowverse. Sure. They're doing a lot of justice to the big names. Oh, yeah. So I, I don't really struggle with them doing the show. In fact, I'd be very excited. But I think to the expense of Supergirl. Unless you're fully committed on transitioning that show into Superman and Lois. Maybe. But at the same token, why would you, you know, spite that show to transition and make it, you know, a platform to serve for another show to jump on? Mm-hmm. I guess that's where I'm kind of looking at it from. And I, I don't really like that take. Right. But if that's what the direction they're going to go in, post-crisis CW is going to be absolutely a whole new world. Mm-hmm. Not that we didn't already think it was going to happen. But with Legends being stat quo, 
or coming back and whatever the ramifications of crisis are going to be because obviously timelines yeah that's their forte yeah they gotta break them and put them back together they're gonna have a lot of work to go on their they're gonna have their work cut out for them black lightning is probably gonna get merged over like we've talked about numerous times well and given the fact that there's the set photo cast photo of you know all the arrowverse actors in their costumes and black lightning is amongst that crew that that kind of lends you know I think it would benefit the show to have that in the same universe. I know it's off in its own little pocket universe, and it's really had no interaction with the Arrowverse or even Supergirl's universe. But I think it, it would do better and benefit from being in the same universe. Because I'll be honest, nothing against the show. It's just it's it's one of the ones that I'm hard to keep up with just because there's not really anything motivating me for it. I do like the show. I just have fallen behind. I mean, obviously, catching up with everything with New York Comic Con and booking guests for Coztober has really kind of swayed a lot of the TV programs I'm used to watching. I'm only picking like a certain few to watch. But I have been keeping tabs on Black Lightning. I do like the show. Mm-hmm. I And, in fact, I like to see how they mix in the show post-crisis well, yeah. into the universe. I think it's going to be I think it'll be a good fit. And as, as long as they keep the essence of the show, which has always been family-driven, yeah. as long as that's still there, I think the show will succeed. I think the other thing would benefit not just Black Lightning, but all the Arrowverse shows going forward is – have like they've all got great uh, rogues galleries, you know, some better than others, yes, but they've all got good villains. Have a pool that, like, okay, this villain is from the Arrowverse rogues gallery, but you know what? He would work really well in Legends of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Why don't we pull him over and use him for that? And oh, hey, there's this Superman villain that, yeah, he's a Superman rogue, but you know what? He might work really well with this Black Lightning. Uh, storyline have it that way so that way you're doing great stories and really not limiting yourselves right i mean obviously they can definitely work on that and obviously the landscape is going to completely change mm-hmm. post-crisis arrow and flash are the ones that are going to be affected the most yeah and with supergirl now being heavily rumored with the superman and lois show coming in that's going to have a dramatic change moving forward everything is changing in the dcu cw universe mm-hmm. so get ready for change folks let us know what you think, though. Hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts on the current Arrowverse shows? Arrow, Flash, Black Lightning, Batwoman. We want to know. Hit us up. And what's your thoughts going into crisis with the big Superman and Lois announcement? We definitely are interested to hear what your take is. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Jimmy Gazdick from Crimson Brethren and Floodlands, and you're listening to ODPH. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Let's kick into those one shots. Pat, do you want me to kick you off? Because I know you're checking your phone for some late-breaking information. Well, holy Christ. I'll get to that one in a minute because my phone is blowing up like mad. A uh, couple of quick things. Uh, first of which, I got to mention, uh, there was some more additional Star Wars news and Game of Thrones news. Uh, of course, there, a couple of years ago, I want to say it was maybe in 2017, there was it was announced that Game of Thrones uh, showrunner, the, the creators uh, were David Benoff and D.B. Weiss were working on going to be working on a Star Wars uh, film, if not a trilogy. Hard to say. From what I've read, there's about seven Star Wars movies in various stages of development. So mm. hard to keep track these days. But they were going to be working on a Star Wars film. And initially I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, I love what they've done with Game of Thrones. Can't wait to see it. Uh, fast Flash forward to here we are sitting at the end of October in 2019. Still nothing heard about it. No idea what it's about, when it's taking place, when it's coming out, anything. And they, uh, the, the showrunners, uh, Benoff and Weiss, were at the uh, Austin Film Festival over the weekend and had a panel. Uh, 
And to my knowledge, this might have been their first public event ever since the ending of Game of Thrones and, well, how well fans took that. Uh, put it to you mildly, uh, the panel didn't go well. Right. Uh, if you go to the Twitter account at for Arya, spelled like the character from Game of Thrones, uh, they were fortunate enough to make it into the panel and live tweeted a lot of it. So you can, uh, they have the start of the thread pinned to the front of their, the, to the top of their profile. So you can go through and read the full thing. It's mind blowing. But uh, here's just some highlights or kind of some nutty parts of it. Uh, they, David described when he had a pre meeting with George R. R. Martin, of course, the gentleman who wrote and is writing, God, I hope so. Uh, the book series Game of Thrones, and he asked what their writing credentials were or what their credentials were for writing this. And, quote, we didn't really have any. We had never done TV, and we didn't have any. We didn't know why he trusted us with his life's work. Mm. So, arguably, the biggest project of, you know, the last 10 years, you know, you can make that argument, maybe biggest of all time, who's to say, you know, and they had no writing credits. Uh, they acknowledged that they had no idea why after such a dismal pilot HBO went forward at one point they said in filming the pilot in some of the first few episodes the episodes were to- were clocking out at 39 minutes mm-hmm. and HBO wanted them to film like 100 minutes worth of footage for stuff they can't figure out why HBO went forward with it they said quote everything we could make a mistake in we did scripting casting costume they think the only reason HBO went forward with it was because they had a lot of foreign pre-sales on the series uh, you know, the, the moderator at one point asked them about their comments, acknowledging they didn't understand the characters and the extra minutes help them understand the characters better, you know, so they're in, you know, they don't understand the characters and they're just kind of writing through the motions. Uh, they said they wanted to remove as many fantasy elements as possible because quote, we didn't just want to appeal to that type of fan. They wanted to expand the fan base to people beyond the fantasy fan base to mothers and NFL players. So you want to take the fantasy out of Game of Thrones? Uh-huh. All right, go on. Yeah, so then they went, uh, and they obviously the angry fans and, and got brought up. Uh, you know, and at one point they uh, it was asked, were you listening to the feedback from your fans as things went along? Dan said, quote, we really did not. Dan doesn't see the value of considering other people's reactions. Dave acknowledged that he Googled the show and it upset him. So that's just some of the highlights. Like I said, if you go to the Twitter account at for Aria, you can read the full thing. There's some really nutty, insane uh, things that went on during that that panel. But then therein led to not even 24 hours later, it was announced from Deadline that uh, the two gentlemen were no longer attached or working on the Star Wars film they were announced, which I think was probably the the best thing that could have happened. Because it is like it, at the start, it was an exciting thing. Like, oh, the Game of Thrones guys are going to be working on... On, on Star Wars, and then you read about this and what they said, and it's like, okay, they throw out fantasy. They want to appeal to more people. Like, okay, yeah, you want to do that, but it's Star Wars. Like, it sells itself. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm kind of glad they got uh, taken off of that, all things considered. Well, considering the reaction that this, it, this story is saying, mm-hmm. you, you, you completely are missing the artistic vision of what, the, what it should be. Yeah. That's the way I'm reading this. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is my opinion of this. So, obviously, I think it's a good move to be moved. And, obviously, with Feige taking over and whatever his involvement is going to be with Star Wars moving forward, Mm -hmm. as it's been heavily attached to, I'm more excited about that because just hearing about, like, all this nonsense with those guys, it's like, 
this was not a good fit. Mm-hmm. And I think all parties involved are probably going to be better off for it. Yeah. So yeah, and then the uh, the Game of Thrones news that came out was that uh, we talked about it on a previous episode. There was the Game of Thrones prequel that was. There's at least three other Game of Thrones spinoffs that are in the works. Uh, one we know of, well, knew of, was the prequel starring Naomi Watts. That at least made it to filming and pilot, or the pilot got filmed. That's dead in the water. Uh, that series is no longer happening. So all we got left now are the two other series, which we don't really know that much about. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Like, for me, I'm not really that amped up about it. I'd rather see George R. R. Martin mm-hmm. finish the story. And then see, okay, is this really what it had to entail? And we're trying to do a backlog. and, and Right. And I, I, it kind of falls under, like, my Watchmen theory mm-hmm. onto a lesser degree. Whereas, okay, if it's not written in and you're trying to just, you know, hot shot a, a prequel and to just do it for, you know, for other sake than the vision of, this, of the material, I, I just can't get down with it. Mm-hmm. Like I say, even, like, with Watchmen now, I do like what they're doing, but it's still, I think, very far off the base. I know we touched yeah. upon it on the Crisis and uh, Just Incredible Cosplay episode. Mm-hmm. Even this past week's episode, I thought was good. And yeah, I'm still, but I don't know. Like, I'm still on the fence of like, is there even a need for this story? Right. It's just my opinion. Right. And then the other one that's it's breaking as we record. So unfortunately, we won't be able to go into a full breakdown of this. We'll save that for next week's episode because this is Disney Plus sized. Yeah. Uh, which funny side story. Uh, Dis. Excuse me. Uh, Disney decided to pr- put a promoted hashtag on the, the Twitter trends this morning as uh, Warner Media is having a major press junket as we record right now for their HBO Max streaming service. Now, footage is being shown at this uh, panel or this whatever you want to call it. And there's a live stream. But every time they go to show the footage, the live stream cuts out. So we'll have a full breakdown of this on next week's show because this is like Disney Plus size with some of the announcements they're making with this. But I'll just go through some of the highlights. Uh, it is coming on. It will release in the United States on May 2020. Uh, no details about other countries. I'm sure that'll come at a later date. Uh, they're going to have 10,000 hours of streaming content available on day one, which uh, they admitted is less than some of their competitors. But when I read through some of the things they're going to have, it's heavy hitters. They will have every live action DC film of the last decade will be available on HBO Max within the first year of launch, including every Superman and Batman movie from the last 40 years. Uh, The Joker film uh, will be available on a two stream on HBO Max in 2020. Friends will be on there exclusively. Uh, Big Bang Theory will be on there exclusively. They've landed. Now, this was kind of it was uh, reported. I think it was last week that the streaming rights to South Park were getting shopped around. And it was kind of a wonder who's going to get them. We know who's going to get them. South Park will be exclude the streaming will be exclusively on HBO Max over 300 episodes, three new seasons to come. Uh, they'll have uh, content from Adult Swim uh, anime cur- curated from the site Crunchyroll uh, Studio Ghibli will have some of its content there. Of course, the fantastic movie Spirited Away will be on there. Uh, just some of the other ones uh, with their original content. It will be released on a weekly schedule. Uh, you know, instead of doing the Netflix method of dropping it all at once, uh, they have stuff coming from Cartoon Network with, you know, Adventure Time, you know, including four new specials, a series from Ellen DeGeneres, uh, Gremlins original story. You know, they'll have some stuff coming from, uh, you know, a new something from Looney Tunes coming. You know, 
a ton of stuff from Hanna-Barbera, but then kind of the big one, they started getting into some of the other DC stuff. Uh, they've announced that John Stevens will serve as showrunner on a Strange Adventures series. Now, Ken, you want to explain what that is? All right, so Strange Adventures is the story of Adam Strange. Uh, this is going to be the new book that the team from Mr. Miracle, uh, Mitch Garros, mm-hmm. and Tom King are going to be writing for DC in the upcoming year. Yep. Uh, the closest you've really seen him on, I know he was on Krypton in a version of the character, but I don't think it's ever been done right. Uh, this one is basically Adam Strange, how to describe him. He's basically a um, – how do I put this mildly? Mm-hmm. He's kind of like a, an archaeologist that gets thrusted into the hero life in the space universe. Okay. That's probably the easiest way I could describe sure. him. Um, I know the official bio that they're running on HBO Max is an archaeologist turned intergalactic hero when he's Zeta beamed to the planet Ran. Mm. So he's basically forced into the hero role. Uh, he has a very big cult following. Obviously, with the new book coming out, I hope they borrow the source material from those guys. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm fully on board with this, and then obviously the big fish in the pond. Yeah, so the big fish in the pond. Greg Berlanti is uh, working on a Green Lantern series for the HBO Max. Yep. Uh huh. So the long rumored movie we don't need. We're gonna have a live show. No casting has been announced, so we don't know what yeah. Lantern it is. Yeah. It could be Hal Jordan. It could be Jon Stewart. It could even be Kyle Rayner. All I know is Tyrese Gibson's making a lot of phone calls right now. I think there is a lot of actors and actresses calling about this one. Uh-huh. Green Lantern, obviously, we know the debacle that was the Ryan Reynolds movie project. Yeah. I'm sorry you can't tell me otherwise. That no. Is, I'm just not going to hear that argument. I'm so glad I, I watched that on HBO when I was in college because, my God, that's bad. No, yeah, we don't know who's playing or what version of green lantern it will be and given it's greg berlanti we don't even know where this is going to take place because the nice thing and we've said this before with marvel is all one universe all ties in all interconnected the messy thing with dc is there's like five different universes going on you've got the the dc universe stuff you've got the arrowverse stuff you've got the movie stuff you've got kind of i think you know the stuff like the joker film is being called the, the dc black movies you know so you've got that universe we don't even know where this is going to take place in kind of the DC timeline or universe, so we don't know what it's going to be connected to. It's very early. The only thing I think it was a safe bet, and this is an extremely early take, I want to stress this. If Bertinelli is doing the Strange Adventures show and he's doing the Green Lantern show, mm-hmm. this is the DC Cosmic Universe. Could be. That's the easiest way to describe it because you're going to be dealing with a lot of space. You're going to not have anything earthbound for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be an interesting take. I'm not doubting, and I'm just going to throw this rumor out there. I wouldn't doubt you'd see a Hawkworld appearance. Maybe. You're not going to see any new gods. That's, right. That's, that's movie-bound. That's the only thing I can kind of guess is this is going to be, with the exception of Green Lantern, because I, I understand why it's not a movie, but I can also see a Green Lantern movie coming. I can see this stuff being the equivalent to some of the Marvel stuff we're seeing with Disney Plus, where it makes for a good show, but it necessarily isn't movie material. Well, I think in this case, if the production value is going to be that of the movies, and like I say, I don't know what this production value is going to be. However, though, the CW shows have really shown that you can do high-quality TV. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it's movie quality, but it's it's high-quality TV nevertheless. Uh, and pull it off right. There's going to be so many special effects involved with Green Lantern yeah. that that's going to be the true telling point of where the commitment is for the studio and if it's going to be 
on the same par as the Disney Plus MCU shows. Well, and I would say just in terms of like a comparison for special effects, I would say it's maybe uh, Guardians of the Galaxy level of special effects is going to be required because, yes, Green Lantern does show up on Earth from time to time, but he is in, a part of an intergalactic, you know, defense force. Right. Which so, which he's not always on Earth. He's on other planets that, you know, you can't exactly do the original series Star Trek thing and go to the middle of the desert in Utah and go, oh, hey, look, we're on another planet. Right, so this is going to be really interesting. I know this is going to appease a lot of the DC Universe fans. I mean, I guess this means we're not going to see Diggle as Green Lantern on Arrow. I think we will. Okay. And then who knows, it could be a spinoff to that, which I think would be a smart move. Could be. Because, I mean, I, I'm more of a fan if they did a Green Lantern core mo- show yeah. than they did an actual Green Lantern. I'm excited for this news, though. When mm-hmm. we first heard this, I know we've been trying to slowly break this on social media. But and, and like we said, this is ongoing, so we can't really give a full thing. And we'll give a full breakdown on next week's episode because by then some articles have been written and you know we'll be able to fully digest what's going on because this is a lot. Right. I'm just going to give one last tidbit because as I'm reading this, because we could be here all night doing this, uh, I just retweeted this out on OD Parlay Hour. To quote HBO Max, our partnership with BBC begins with BBC Doctor Who. Oh, my. All 10 previous seasons and beyond streaming exclusively on HBO Max. Holy shit. Yeah. Holy Christ. We will do a full recap next week. So stay tuned for that. We're going to digest everything, break it down, give you everything you need to know. Uh, Stay tuned to the ODPH social media accounts. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are going to be posting a lot about this. And definitely hit us up with that hashtag ODPH to join in that conversation because I want to hear a lot from you about Mm -hmm. this. So going in with that, uh, just a couple quick trailers because, I mean, how am I going to top that? Uh, Bloodshot trailer came out, the Vin Diesel Project. First movie from the the Valiant comic movie universe. Yeah, I mean, if you don't really know too much about Bloodshot, uh, to sum him up, uh, he's basically what would happen if Captain America was wiped away of all his memories and trained to be Deathstroke, but still couldn't find his identity. Yeah, I mean, the the take I kind of got off of this, and it's kind of the vibe I got, it almost feels like a what-if series for Fast and Furious if Dom stayed evil. Yeah, it basically looks like a traditional Vin Diesel action film, which I, there's nothing wrong with that. No. But you you get the sense that this isn't going to be anything groundbreaking. Uh, it's just basically a lot of him getting into some crazy action sequences and trying to figure out what his life was before uh, he was experimented on. Yeah. The book has gone through a lot of transitions over the past uh, years and relaunches. It's a staple of Valiant Comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember reading it in the 90s, and that's, okay. that's where I I know that very well, like with Ray and Eternal Warrior and right. Armstrong. Like, that's my valiance. So I, I'm very interested to see how they do this. Uh, the relaunch that they've done has definitely gone in different directions. I've heard nothing but good things about it, though. Right. So we're, maybe we'll have to get some uh, valiant experts on here to talk about that. But I'm excited about what I saw. I'm kind of saying... And I've been saying this for a while. Don't sleep on the Valiant universe because Valiant does have great characters. Yeah. How they translate on the big screen is going to be a different story, but it's going to be a fresh take. It's not your typical superhero universe, but I think you're going to be excited about it. Mm-hmm. And I'd really, I'm just waiting to see him get the full body paint to really look the part of Bloodshot. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm waiting on. I didn't see that this episode or the trailer, but I'm definitely excited about it. Right. Uh, hitting movies this week, uh, the theaters, is Dark 
or Dark Fate Terminator. Yep, the new Terminator movie, which is getting glowing reviews. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually excited about this. I mean, this is tying into almost like a direct sequel to Terminator 2. Yeah, that's the kind of vibe. I, I The thing I've read in a couple places is that, you know, this is almost a direct sequel to Terminator 2, like you said. And it kind of wipes away and disregards anything that came after that. Yeah, which I'm all for. Yeah. Uh, this does look like almost like a return to... I don't want to say normal, but to what we're established with the Terminator franchise, Linda Hamilton is reprising her role as Sarah Connor. Obviously, Arnold is coming back as a T-800. You're seeing some new uh, Terminators in there. You're almost seeing a hybrid Terminator human played by Mackenzie Davis in this. Um, so there's a lot to be taken in with this and to be excited about. Like I, I've read the early trailer. I mean, the, it's directed by Tim Miller. Mm-hmm. He's obviously been doing a lot of work lately. So to see where this is going to go, and James Cameron is attached to the project too. Oh, so this is going to be an interesting take where they go, and I'm excited to see where they go with this mm-hmm. um, because it could go anywhere. And obviously, like I said, Tim Miller, the director, has been doing a lot. Uh, obviously, Deadpool, yeah, probably most well known for uh, most recently. So this is going to be a really fun film. I'm going to go check it out this weekend. I'm excited to see it. Um, I've always been a big fan of the Terminator films. And yeah. I I can't wait to go see this, actually. this is. I'm not saying this is going to be the greatest movie ever, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely excited about it. And to sum it up for us as well, comic picks this week. Uh, obviously, you know our, our fandom of the Dawn of X storyline. Yes. Uh, Marauders came out. And definitely surprised me. Mm -hmm. I will eat some crow about that. I know I was kind of saying I really wasn't sold on the book. Uh, Kitty Pride is now the new Wolverine of the new MCU X-Men. Right. Uh, The Marvel Comics Universe X-Men. The story they're doing with her is very interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm really intrigued by it. And the take they're doing on her, a lot of backstory that needs to get explained, but I'm excited to see it. This week's pick, though, however, is Excalibur. Okay. And I don't really know what to expect about this, but this is the team with Betsy Braddock, who is the new Captain Britain, and Apocalypse on it. Oh. Then you throw in Gambit, Jubilee, uh, Richter, and Rogue. Mm-hmm. We'll see what we get. So I, I, I'm very excited to see how yeah. this is going to play out. Don't really know the direction they're going to go in. And... I'm like I said, Dawn of X has really surprised me thus far. So this is when the the storylines are coming out. So definitely have to stay tuned for that because there's going to be so much going on with that. DC wise, Harleen number two is coming out. Mm-hmm. I know Bright Guy Signal has been talking about doing a blog about this. Red issue one was very impressed by it. So if you're into the Joker and Harley Quinn origin, yeah, it's worth a read. Uh, very good story thus far. Yeah. So definitely hit down your local comic book shops. Check it out because there's so much going on. Yeah, and I gotta say, I got a gaming pick for uh, any of you video gamers out there. Uh, Gearbox has their Halloween event going on from uh, it started. I want to say Thursday or Wednesday last week, going through the fifth of December. That is their, I think it's called Halloween Havoc, where you go around and and some of the enemies are now imbued with ghosts. And there's this whole thing where you go to the heck hole. That's what they call it. It's a lot of fun. It's you know not too invasive, and you can have some fun with it. There's definitely some grinding to it where you can, you got to go through it multiple times. 
definitely a lot of fun to check out. No, definitely. I mean, there's a, so much good gaming coming out. I know mm-hmm. I know everybody's excited about Death Stranding. Yeah, Death Stranding comes out uh, relatively soon. I want to say it's within the next two weeks uh, on PlayStation. Coming to a surprise announcement, coming to PC summer next year. Uh, so you got that coming out. Uh, Jedi Fallen Order comes out soon. Dragon Ball Z Kakarot comes out in January. A lot of, go- a lot of good stuff coming from that. A lot of good games coming. Yeah, and Pat's going to be all over that, so mm-hmm. can't wait to see that. Uh, one quick thing I just want to throw in there because I forgot to mention, Bloodshot is due to come out February 21st, 2020. Okay. So the music you heard on this episode is that of Shout at the Robots. We're going to play a new song by Shout at the Robots. They're awesome. They're friends of the Hashtag 67 Podcast group. They are going to be playing throughout the area coming up. So if you have a chance to see them live, definitely go see them. But like I said, the music, if you're more interested in finding out about that, you can go to OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Check under the music section. You can find about them, Floodlands, Walking Distance, Fair City, Fire, all the great music you hear on the show. Plus, you can head over to Hashtag 607 Podcast. You can find out about Three Fat Nerds, our friends over at 8122 Productions. You can find out about Horror Zone 607, Photography by Mike Blakesley, who came on and closed down. Obviously, I just got to plug again. Cosstober was an amazing event for us at the ODPH. A lot of great guests came through, talked cosplay, really got a lot of people excited. We've been getting hit on social media about, hey, can I come on? I'm stressing this once again. You got to go through Mike Blakesley about it. We mentioned it on the show. Mike is going to be helping picking the class out next year. I know Alaska is going to be coming on. We might actually extend her to next year to get all her projects in because she has a lot going on. The, mm-hmm. gaming, the gaming channel and her cosplay yeah. channel going on. She's doing a lot of work, so when we get her on, she's going to have a lot to discuss. So, obviously, Costober was a huge success. We thank everybody that was involved. And like I said, we had the best of the best on. And if you weren't on, well, better luck next year. Enough said. So, obviously, to close that down, OchoDuroParleyHour.com for the blogs in between shows because I know Bri is going to be working on something. I might actually drop something this week. There's been so much going on. And, obviously, next week we are going to be kicking off recapping HBO Max because there was so much going on. Uh-huh. Pat is still checking his phone right now, and he's already making some notes for next week. Yes. Because this is absolutely bonkers. So for the one and only Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, better known as the ODPH Podcast. See you next time.